Hello, hello, hello. We are back with another episode of Not So Nice Girl. I am your host and recovering nice girl, Natalie Volpicelli. And today we have part two of my talk with Judy McDonald, one of my fellow doctoral students. And we're talking more about identity formation and kind of life after letting go of that nice girl label. So if you haven't listened to part one, what are you doing? Go listen. You can pause here. I'll wait. Okay, I hope you enjoyed it. And now we are ready to start with part two. It's a great one. Thanks, guys. Who are you calling a nice girl? I'm almost like, I'm thinking to myself now, and you know, identity formation, I really do think is, it's a lifelong endeavor. Like, I really think that And now I'm getting philosophical. But it's like, do you ever know yourself? Do you ever know anybody? How do you know if you know yourself? I I think the most healthy outlook on identity formation and identity – identification of self is to view it as Mm ever-changing. I I really, truly, strongly believe that. I think once we feel too solidified in an identity is once we've failed ourselves because – that's people that aren't willing. And I think that's a lot of the issues of today. Again, this is getting a lot of philosophical. We're going to have to split this episode up. Um, but I think a lot of the issues of today are people who stand stick a little too strongly to one identity and are unwilling to adapt. Again, it's this see very good versus evil, black and white, and are unwilling to accept that almost everything in life has a gray area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. almost everything could be argued if you have a good enough voice. Like, yeah. things like that. So I think that identity formation, if you are so staunch on one identity for yourself, one label for yourself, you're never going to grow. Because frankly – what I labeled myself in high school should not be what I label myself as now. Yeah. That would I be concerning. I am terrified of my 17, 18-year-old self. Terrified. Yeah. And again, it's – it's if I, I will say the same thing in 10 years. If I am the same person I was 10 years ago, how I mainly identified myself, mm-hmm. I would be terrified mm-hmm. because that's not the same person I want to be. And so there's no, I think identity formation for emerging adulthood is is definitely important for what major, it's almost like what continent are you going to live in? And then you can still move around within that continent. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good analogy. Thank I like you. that. Thank you. It's like Thank having you. a flexible, like knowing who you are generally, what your core values are, like what are like basically like, what are the things called where you're like, you go into a relationship and you're like, these are my, I need those things. Like non-negotiables. Thank you. Oh, non-negotiables. Got there. We got there. Could have tell you like, right now wasn't going to get there. <laughs> we have some non-negotiables. We know ourselves to an extent, what's Mm -hmm. really important, but having the flexibility to change certain things, we live in an ever-changing world. Yeah. It's important to be flexible and to be able to adapt to situation and context and time. 
because things are changing. Yeah. And so it's, it's, you're doing yourself a disservice when you are stagnant and stuck in the status quo of your own identity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think kind of to attempt to bring this full circle, because <laughs> we've covered like 80 different things. Um, we're just making up for lost time, guys. Um, really, I think that is the biggest fault of a nice girl. Mm-hmm. The biggest fault of a people pleaser is flexibility is not an option. Yeah. That's it. It's so – I remember my, my therapist would tell me often, you are holding so tightly – onto like a branch of a tree mm-hmm. but you don't even really know what that tree is but you're holding for dear life on a tree and you don't even know what that actually means or what that actually is and yeah. that and you are unwilling to even loosen the grip a little bit to see the bigger picture yeah like you know that branch inside and out you know it well you mm-hmm. know all the bark and the grooves and the insects how amazing is it when you start to get a view of the whole tree yeah trees are so beautiful and you're truly like, and she was like, and you were unwilling to even lift a pinky from that branch mm-hmm. to allow yourself to see the bigger picture because you are so afraid of what, if I let go of one pinky, I'll fall. I love that therapist. She is great. I love her. <laughs> That's why I've had her for so long. Uh, when you say, what was the moment that I stopped being a nice girl because of this therapist? Um, but really, I mean, it's that. It's you're so unwilling to move away from these people pleasing tendencies that and we've talked about this if you were to just look at it on paper nice girls people pleasers high achievers they're great i mean look at it we're getting phds we're great great. we're getting phds we're sitting here telling people i'm doing great i'm never gonna let anyone to see a bad emotion on me out of me everything's fine we're but we're the the meme we're the dog in the burning house Mm -hmm. but like we're like no 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 no. there's just like a bonfire like I meant to do that I'm just warming my hands yeah thank you I was just a little cold thank you (laughs) you just wouldn't get it (laughs) and literally that's like so on the outside like you think they're doing great yeah. And I think that's why research and psychology hasn't necessarily caught up with it because they're not actually the the burned down house. Mm-hmm. Cuz they won't let you see that. Cuz that's a failure if people see that. Mm-hmm. And we're just starting to get to a point where people are allowing to see the cracks beneath the surface. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of my goal of the podcast is like, I am still very, I'm, and I will be very successful and I, and I plan to be, mm-hmm. but it's not without struggle. Yeah. It's not easy. And that's fine. And that's fine. And in some ways more fulfilling that you have struggled. Yeah. At the end of the day. Right. And I hate to like, you know, even utter the word, like. You've got sort of this, um, why am I blanking out again? It's because of the wine. Oopsie. But not resistance. 
Resilience. Resilience. Thank we you, do Natalie. hate the word resilience. Yes. But we do. We do. You've got grit, girl. Grit. We love grit. <laughs> we love having grit. You've got grit. grit. We hate the word resilience because I didn't ask for resilience. I didn't ask for bad shit to happen to me. No. But we love grit. Yeah. Grit means you can, you can get through hard things. Resilience means bad shit keeps happening to you and you <laughs> keep somehow staying afloat. You're alive and breathing, but. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of, again, that's the whole point of the podcast is to shed some light and to start discussion of, I feel like a lost, a lost population. Because I think we've hidden ourselves. That, that was our whole goal, to not stand out. Yeah, because we have on a mask, a facade. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that really was, that, that's the whole goal, is to not stand out. Mm-hmm. Fucking shine. Let's fucking shine. Bejeweled. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> to a two-parter episode, probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when two <laughs> psychologists get together, my friends. We can't stop fucking talking. Oh, my God. Mm. It really is true. I'm like, this is, and I don't, you know, of course, now we're going to kind of get down another rabbit hole, but this must be therapeutic for you. It is. It is. As you were even just saying before, like, starting the podcast around this really difficult time in your life when a lot of different things are going on mm-hmm. socially familially yeah it it has to be like in another way like an out-of-body experience kind of sitting here and hearing yourself talk and making sense of things by saying them out loud that's why um to give kind of a behind the curtain that's that's why I don't like doing a lot of editing Mm -hmm. because and I mentioned this slightly um It's so fucking my dad. Again, it's my dad coded. Mm -hmm. My dad has always taken care of me. Mm -hmm. And him, he's never, he never fully understood therapy and psychology. Mm -hmm. Really. That's a dad thing. It's a dad thing. It's a boomer thing. Mm -hmm. Never really got it. I was supposed to be a business major. Then was like, you know what I'm going to (laughs) do? The exact opposite. (laughs) Um... So we never fully understood it, but I I do like believe in these like weird little synchronicities or these weird little moments. And I think when I talked to my dad, he got so excited and so passionate about me doing it because he saw my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, when I wrote a part a, a chapter of a book, and I wanted to write a full book, I couldn't write the full book because I. I'm more of a talker than a writer, and my dad suggested this. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I feel like it was my dad suggesting me to do this was a way of him being like, "You're going to be looked after," because truly speaking to this, I have reconnected with so many people who are now were so important in my life we moved on since college are now back in my life and really important Mm -hmm. through this podcast. I've gotten closer with a lot of people near me 
because of the podcast, um, they've listened, they've reached out to me, said they liked it, and we've had conversations about it. Um, so I, it's given me so much of a social network, but then also it, it's just held me accountable. Yeah. Whenever I have these conversations with people, I love hearing the other perspective. I love hearing what they're going to say. And when I talk about it myself, it I like being able – I'm such a person who – I don't want anything that I go through to go to waste, Mm -hmm. basically. That's part of the reason why I wanted to go into psychology is when I had that eating disorder and I have legitimate OCD and I have anxiety and I've had depression, Mm -hmm. I don't want that to go to waste. I want that to go to help someone. And now, and that's how my dad is too. He's such a helper, such a giver. Now I am going through grief. I'm also going through trying to figure out and navigate being a nice girl. I want people to see that it's fucking hard. Mm -hmm. You know, like I don't want people to just listen and be like, oh, okay. I want people to see like, I'm going to mess up here and there. I'm going to not know what the hell is going on here and there. But I'm doing the work. And I also... You know, you and I both kind of came into this. Like, we're researching. These are skills that we learned how to do in school Mm -hmm. that we want to share with others so that you don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. Because it is, if you don't know how to do a lit review, it's it's a lot. lot. Mm -hmm. But that's part of it is like, I don't want to edit. I made a mistake in the words that I'm saying. Because if I made a mistake, okay, I'll fix it and I'll correct it later. Yeah. But I don't want to cover that up. Or I don't want to edit the raw emotion because it is what I'm feeling right now. And that in and of itself is a gift. It's, in a way, it is like an artistic statement because it really is though. Because, you know, you're not, you're like you're putting forward your most authentic, genuine, raw self and, like, fuck it if someone's listening and they're, like, uncomfortable because you mispronounced a word. I did it before. Yeah. That happens in real life. It happens in podcasts. And you're not going to be a nice girl and go back and edit things down to the millisecond so that everybody's as comfortable as they can be while listening. Yeah. Sometimes you need to be uncomfortable. And part of what I love is is bring guests on to force them to think about this. Is mm-hmm. A lot of times, I don't know if maybe you won't say this to me, but – after I record, they'll be like, most of the times we come on, we have an idea of what we're going to discuss. Like this one, we discuss everything and everything. Mm-hmm. And all the people who I press end, they say, I never had the opportunity to talk about this. Mm. I don't know if you've ever felt this way. Well, I I always want to talk. I literally could talk. Like, yeah, for the next we are five both. Hours, I will say all the other could ones. A six-hour-long podcast, but listen, and and you'll be back on <laughs> with our TikTok attention spans these days. Oh, I don't know if your audience would would listen to the full six hours. <laughs> there might be some editing on. This there might one. be some editing, <laughs> but you know what? That's that's for your whole sake, <laughs> and because we we talk a lot, mm-hmm. but. A lot of my friends who, you know, aren't necessarily in the psychology world, they're like, I really 
we came on here to talk about one thing and it made me retrospectively think about a million other things because this isn't a topic that people want to talk about. It isn't a topic that seems relevant or important and you're giving me a space to say that it is. Mm-hmm. And I feel very passionate about it because it just, it leads down so many roads. I feel like it's it's the entrance. It's almost like the entry drug, mm-hmm. the gateway drug. That's the word. Like being a people pleaser, being a nice girl is just a gateway drug for just a million other things. Yeah. And if we just snipped it, it at the, the nub. Yep. <laughs> snipped it at the nub. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I thought I was the only one who did that. I snort too when I laugh. Excuse me. (laughs) Raw and edited. I kind of just want you to post this the way it is. I probably will. I'm a little Spotify exhausted. (laughs) Um, Okay. My last question for you. Okay. Who knows this will make it. I'm going to ask you this question right back. So you better be ready to answer. Okay. Yeah, I will. Um, do you ever feel like in this like journey of kind of like self-correcting your nice girl tendencies, do you ever find that you overcorrect and that yes. that's something you have to grapple with as well? Yes. Where you overcorrect for your niceness and actually say to yourself like, oh shit, like that actually was just mean or like I could have gone about that in a different way because I do that. Almost. I do that. Every way, everything that I I feel like I'm trying to work on therapeutically, I feel like I've, I, again, my issue is that I don't necessarily understand the middle ground. Um, that like gray area. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So w- w- something that I'm working on right now is in high school, in college, I went to a, you also did UVA Georgetown prestigious college, um, competitive high school. I was boom, 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 overworked myself, burnt out fully, no grace for myself, had to like constantly be studying, constantly be working. And now like I will feel so lazy because I will sleep in or take naps. Um, my body is so burnt out from it. But I have fully overcorrected of in that sense. And I don't know how to find the middle ground of like how can I still get things done and still be – still feel productive but not take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same way with being a nice girl of – a lot of times, again, like even with this most recent friend group, breakup I, I don't necessarily feel too much animosity mm-hmm. because I'm sure I was blunt I'm sure I was selfish in a way um do I necessarily regret it no because I think in the end it led me to where I needed to be it was a means to an end that mm-hmm. you needed but mm-hmm. I'm sure I made it more blunt than it needed to be because I don't know how to gracefully be in the middle yeah um I, I think that's 
something that I'm working on is that I, there is a middle ground and I don't necessarily know it or understand it, which is why I'm trying not to fault myself for it Mm -hmm. because I'd love to have a middle ground, yeah, but I just don't know it yet. Um, and I think the outcome was still exactly what I needed. And I don't think I really hurt. I still was the one that hurt more yeah. in the end. So it's still kind of like, it's okay. <laughs> it's always okay. I think, honestly, at the end of the day, like what I'm leaving here with is the fact that like you are aware of it. I'm aware of it and we're attempting to work on ourselves um, for the betterment of ourselves and also honestly for the betterment of our friends. Um, That's really all that matters is that like we're working on it. And so you said you also experienced this. What would you say for that? Like for overcorrecting? What would be experiences? For me, I think it would be – I think overcorrecting the sense that I'm putting people's putting other people's feelings to the wayside because I've historically wanted them to think so highly of me, wanted them to feel good, wanted them to feel comfortable. And so when I overcorrect or when I'm like, I'm not going to be a nice girl, whatever that, you know, may be for me, I'm kind of like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like I need to do what's best for me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that affects other people negatively and it can come across as mean or like too much. And so I think that there's, it's also like having the grace and humility to know when you're in the wrong and overcorrecting because that's what happens with me. I know you can see me thinking, um, because neither of us can help, but semi think of this clinically. Mm -hmm. Do you ever think that your standard for putting pushing someone's feelings aside Mm -hmm. is too restrictive do you think that so I I used to quite literally I was in a hospital for my eating disorder mm-hmm. and in there they quite literally made me do a sorry jar what is like saying sorry to yourself or to other anytime people? i'd say sorry oh. i had to write why i said start sorry okay so i would overcorrect if i like didn't apologize or i would you know whatever it was mm-hmm. and so they started saying that i needed to be self-full instead of selfish Selfish has a whole other connotation, whereas self-full is filling your bucket. Mm-hmm. Selfish is intentionally choosing yourself over another, knowing the other person is going to get hurt. Do you ever feel like you think you're being selfish when you really are being self-full? I think, honestly... And I, like, see the distinction. I think what I was talking about is the selfish. Knowing someone else. But, like, to what extent do they get hurt? It's not, like, anything extreme, extreme. 
Is it like it's in, me it's also, inconveniencing it's them? It's me like dramatizing things yeah. too. Which it's is like, also a whole – There's I mean, slightly whole, inconvenience. There are nice girls and then there are also like incredibly dramatic nice girls who are <laughs> – I don't know like, actually if there's a distinction I, between Maybe the there's no distinction. I am a drama queen. Like my aunts and uncles called me and I found this out recently, Marilyn when I was growing up, like a Marilyn Monroe. I got like, Audrey an actress. for Audrey Real? No way. <laughs> What is going on? The parallels in our upbringing, it's I cannot. It's too much. I, I would always be called. I first of all, I was named after Natalie Wood. Wow. So already a starlet, and then yeah. would be would be described as everyone thought I was like Audrey Hepburn. They so. need to do yeah yeah. I'm like they more research on nice girls. Please. I do think again more research on nice girls because I do think part of it was. I love my family dearly. Mm-hmm. I do. But I think part of it was my family constantly telling me I was too much, too much, too much, too much. Mm-hmm. That when I was outside of my family, the way I am around my family versus the way I am around other people is was completely different. And that was, I actually think to answer your question, one of the first things that I noticed. Different in what way? Around my family, they would think I was too much and make fun of me and... Like, I was the butt of the joke, mm-hmm. so I would just – my best coping mechanism was to accept that. Right. And to feed into that. And to be like, da-da-da-da, I am a little show girl, whatever. You mm-hmm. think I'm a drama queen, I will be a drama queen. Like, that's kind of how – or, like, you think I'm, like, silly, goofy, okay, I'll be a jester, I'll put on a show. With family. With family. Okay. And even my um, boyfriend, like, fully acknowledges Speak that. of the devil. That's a different door. Oh. <laughs> the joys of living in an apartment building. Um, he even says, like, you feed in a bit more to that when you're with your family. Like, you allow yourself to be the butt of a joke. Yeah. A lot more when you're with your family and you will even say things that will like lead to like you, I, you set up a vault, like a, I don't play volleyball. You, you set them up. Bump set spike. Sure. <laughs> I didn't play volleyball, but I was just thinking for about, some like, reason that came to Was me. that Wii Sports? Bump set spike. Yeah. I would do the bump and the set so they could spike. Right. And I do that a lot more with my family. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm not with them, I'm much more like I respect myself a lot more basically so it was with my family that I noticed it most because Mm -hmm. they would constantly tell me like you're a lot you're a lot you're a lot love my family still Mm -hmm. it's not like necessarily their fault of any ways but that was kind of the first thing that I noticed was how differently I acted between family and friends and then I started seeing how differently I acted between friend groups yeah. Because I was always kind of a floater. Like, I, I never was, like, part of one friend group. I feel like bottom line, a lot of it, com- like, boils down to noticing the discrepancies. hmm Like, building awareness to the way that you behave and feel in different situations. Yeah. And it's a lot of times just now um, – it's just catching myself. And I think, again, this podcast just helps me catch myself. Yeah. And I feel I feel incongruence if I 
a lot more if I ever behave like a nice girl would. Mm-hmm. It's not to say I don't do it. Yeah. Because in some cases also you just need to. Yeah. It can be like very adaptive. Oh, it's definitely. To bite your tongue and just go along with others. There's also a difference in like being aware of your nice girl tendencies and using them to your advantage. Then there is just doing it, you know, for other, like there's, there's, it is a superpower. Yeah. I mean, in many ways it really is. I think the sensitivity and empathy that involves, that is involved with being a nice girl is so powerful. Why would you just try and get rid of that? Like you still can harness it. Why it's not talked about. Yeah. That's why people don't want to talk about the negative effects because it has so many good effects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 it is so positive in so many ways. And if you don't go through it, you don't even know that they're going through something. So it, it's why it's not talked about in research. It's why it's not discussed in common culture. Like, mm-hmm. it isn't necessarily viewed as a bad trait. If you were to call someone nice, that's good. What's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. But the implication, if I were to call someone a doormat, you'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. But that's not how people view it. Mm-hmm. But that's how it is. Yeah. It really is. I mean, I'd love to research about it more. I would we'll too. See. I would too. We'll see. I think there's a lot. I, I don't know. There's a lot there. We've already talked like two hours about it. So. It has not been two hours. I, I'm being dramatic. Okay. Mm. Almost. And with that. Well, let's do a little. Oh, let's, wrap let's, up. Say, let's do a little wrap up. Let's do a wrap Thanks up Thanks for here. leading my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Judy, this is my podcast. <laughs> It, it is. It is. No, please wrap up. I don't know what to do. Okay. So for wrap up today, we're basically going to leave with, with this. We've talked a lot about identity formation mm-hmm. and how nice girls are people pleasers. And because of that, they put a lot of their own identity formation to the wayside because a lot of what they do is in service to others mm-hmm. in pleasing others and putting up maybe sometimes a facade and that facade is not indicative of who they are at their root mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of people specifically nice girls in their early 20s mid 20s even late 20s they have this identity crisis slash existential crisis where they realize I have been living to serve others. I have been living to fit the status quo, to conform to my friend group or to make other people comfortable. And I think it's a gradual realization like we both talked about. Um, But when you start having that realization, it's like an oh shit moment. And what's most important is that you have the oh shit moment. Yeah. It's all going to follow. Things are going to follow after because – it's honestly too painful and too like anti-self to just figure out who you are. People figure out who they are eventually. I yeah. really believe that. 
I do. I think most of the time. It's trial and error. It is trial and error. You have to be, you have to give yourself grace to have that trial and error Mm -hmm. and understand that that's going to continuously happen throughout life. That you're going to realize that what served you once doesn't serve you now. Mm -hmm. You have to be, give yourself grace to understand that. And I think I like to give people like a little, this is the, like psychologist in me, mm-hmm. I like to give people like a, um, like an activity almost. Mm-hmm. And I think it is important to actually try writing down or just think about it. Um, what are things that you like to do that you genuinely only like to do because of you? Not because mm-hmm. they serve anyone else, but because it brings you happiness. And if you can't think of at least five things Maybe this is your aha moment. Yeah. Truly not – if you were to do this completely alone or nothing, no Mm -hmm. one's going to see the end result. No one's going to know that you did this. If you can't come up with at least five things, then this is your aha moment that you might be living for other people. Mm -hmm. That's my goal to you guys. And with that, salud. Slancha. Slancha. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And as always, we will talk to you later. Thanks for having me, Nat. Oh my gosh. Thanks for everything. <laughs> <laughs> the end.